This week we're chatting religion and science fiction with Zach Gandra, host of the Losing Our Religion podcast. Here we go. Jesse Mercury. I'm very excited to bring you this conversation with Zach Gandra. It was a wonderful conversation. I was very excited to be a part of it. And I'm even more excited to share it with you. Early on in the discussion, we talked a lot about Nintendo and my love of Mario and Mario Maker to be specific. And I talked about how I was planning on starting to stream Mario Maker on YouTube uh, as a fun new hobby. And I have actually started to do that. So if you're interested in watching me play Mario Maker, just come hang out <laughs> with me as I play video games online. You can find that at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. That's really all I have to say to you before we jump into this awesome conversation with Zach. There's a couple of tense moments in this conversation. Uh, I mean, not between us. We, we get along great. You'll find out. We have a great rapport. But we talk about some very intense things. So if you're you know, just trying to relax, maybe listen to this on the bus on the way to work instead of on the way home from work. There's really just one part in the middle that I'm thinking about where we get into some of the uh, horrific details about what happens in some places in the world. So um, yeah, I listened to it in the wrong frame of mind last night and it disturbed me. So (laughs) I just wanted to warn you. Uh, it's all, I mean, it's all stuff that we need to be talking about and aware of. So anyway, uh, I just met Zach recently. I'm in love with this man. He's fantastic. And you're about to meet him yourselves and you'll understand what I'm talking about. So here is the host of the very popular Losing Our Religion podcast, Zach Gandra. Check, check, check. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Perfect. Man, it's hard to have like a... A go-to sound check. That's something right. that I don't miss from, like, I haven't played a show in a little over a year. Okay. Something I don't miss is having to sound check in front of an audience. Right. It's awful. <laughs> Have you ever had to do that before? No. It's so uncomfortable. I, whenever I do anything, I'm like a speaker, so yeah. there's no sound checks for us. There's just... Yeah, just a microphone. Yep, just a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, it's so awkward. My, my bandmate Naomi has this thing that she does where she, like, recites... Uh, the names of states. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and I'm kind of jealous. I'm like, damn, that's a good thing to have. Cause like I get up there and I'm just like, check, right? Check again. Check. Checking once more. I'm still checking. Checking. <laughs> yeah. It's Checks really awkward. <laughs> yeah. But you have to do it. I mean, you, everybody needs their own thing. Yeah, totally. As I'm long gonna... as, as long as the sound guy gets what he wants, you can turn my headphones up a little bit more too. Yeah. Solid, solid check. Yeah. Woo. Sounds, I mean, it sounds all right to me. Cool. Yeah. Do you hear the, uh, if you listen really quietly, you can hear the radio. I can. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, uh, this unavoidable in the city. It picks up a little bit in the I, tables. I've had it happen a few times. And yeah. I'm like, what is that? So I've done a ton of reading about it okay. and I, it used to be way worse. Yeah. And I actually, well, I have shielded cables, but I always did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got something called ferrites, which are these little metal clamp things that, they're, yeah. they're little plastic clamps with metal rings inside of them. Okay. That you clamp around the cable. I mean, interesting. Here, right here. This is one. Really? And it and actually rejects the uh, radio frequency. That's freaking fantastic. Yeah. And then I put a noise gate on it after the fact and get rid of the rest of it. 
I realized that my microphones that I clamp on booms, I, I basically use this table that, um, it's an Ikea table and it's metal. Uh-huh. And the stranger just left it outside and said free. So I just carried it home. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. What a great story for yeah, a table. It's a great table, it. but it's like all metal. So I'm clamping everything to metal. Then I got the cords on metal. And then I realized if I would run the power cords underneath it and uh-huh. not over it, uh-huh. then the radio frequencies aren't as bad. Oh, cool. So that helped me a That's lot. Fucking that was cool. my fix it. I, I, this is genius. I never would have figured this thing out. Yeah, I actually... Uh, did some experimentation at one point. I pulled my preamp out of the little rack that it's in because yep. there's metal like wings on the side and mm-hmm. it actually got better. But then I moved here and that didn't make a difference anymore, gotcha. which was weird. Like it made yeah. a difference in my last place, but I was on like, ground floor. No, that was two places ago. I don't know. So the higher you're up, does that make it worse? That um, would make sense, I guess. I do believe that it got worse. I've had issues with it in three apartments and they've always been huh. on the higher floors. Interesting. But I think it did happen on the ground floor also. I'll have to go. I'm pretty sure it happened on the ground floor also. Gotcha. But I don't quite remember. My memory is so jumbled up. Yeah. Where it's been the worst for me has been at the studio, which is ground. Well, it's groundish floor, but there's stuff underneath it. Yeah. There's building underneath it, but it's ground floor on 12th and then it, you know, between 11th, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's all warehousey. God, that's so crazy. Yeah. I never would have known. Yeah. I never would have known. Yeah. It's interesting to. (laughs) It's like interesting to have. Like, I've been playing a lot of Mario Maker recently. Mm-hmm. I've had, like, Mario problems, you know? Okay, like, how do right. I solve this? How do I do this? What's the <laughs> what's the game mechanic that I can exploit to throw this shell in this way and jump up on top of right. it onto this thing? And I've been watching a lot of videos of people who play Mario Maker, and they, ex- they do those things uh-huh. and explain them sometimes, like these advanced tricks. So what is Mario Maker? I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. Mario Maker is the greatest thing that's happened to me in a long time. <laughs> is it on your computer? Is it on Nintendo? It's, an, it's on the Wii U. It's a Nintendo okay, game where right. it basically is just a, an editor that allows you to create your own Mario levels. No way! And there's four different skins. There's uh, original Mario, Mario okay. 3, Super Mario World, and new Super Mario Brothers Wii wow. that you can build levels in. Nice. You can have an overworld and an underworld, and you have pipes and... You, doors and enemies, you just place everything awesome. and then play through the, through the level. And then okay. you can share it. So I spend like so many hours just playing other people's levels. <laughs> that's amazing. And there's this amazing creative community that's sprung up around it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've been like having, I was just thinking about this because I've been having Mario problems and like that's the only way to find out that other people have think about those things because yeah. no one else in my daily life is no. like grinding away on shell drums trying to figure out how to do them or like midairs or something right, right. <laughs> uh but yeah i always love talking to podcasters because it's like <laughs> did you have this problem because i had this problem <laughs> <laughs> i've never even heard of it i didn't even know there was such a thing it's fantastic oh yeah it's so great i haven't played mario in the longest time hands down my favorite has always been mario kart which is probably oh fuck yeah for super nintendo for all for yeah like that was super nintendo is when i really start obviously started playing it yeah and then i just i've loved all of them i've played well every single one but the last nintendo i had was the wii cool was that the first one you had the the, the yeah, tennis the, and you the could nunchuck like, yeah thing. or the, the wiimote yeah yes that thing that was the last one i had and then i had a friend of mine that had a stroke and oh, one no. of the things the doctors told him to do was to play wii to kind of help his brain and his hand-eye coordination get back. And so we just gave it to him, and I never got it back. So I haven't cool. played it. That was probably nine years ago. Wow. Or eight years ago, or whenever the Wii was out. Yeah, so I had so. a... I 
I had a Super Nintendo and an N64. Okay. And Mario Kart was one of my favorite games on both consoles. Solid, yeah. I never had it on the Wii. I My mom had a Wii, and I borrowed it for a while. Yeah. Uh, but then I bought the Wii U just to play Mario Maker, gotcha. and there's Mario Kart 8 on there, so nice. I've been thinking long and hard about that. I can't justify the expense right now. Right. It's like, I can't spend <laughs> $60 on a fucking video game, you know? Just well, here's, here's, here's what I'll do. Here's, here's my remedy for you. Since I'm mourning the loss of, the possible loss of my MacBook right now. Oh, no. Because I poured, spilled water on it on accident today. You walked in with a heavy heart today. Yeah, I was like, I was like, do you have any whiskey? Because I need a little peppy. <laughs> I need an antidepressant right now. That's, yeah. uh, so, if that gets up and running, I need to buy a new computer anyways. And so I have money in savings because my wife and I knew I needed a new MacBook soon. Uh-huh. So I'll, if I can get it up and running and sell it, boom, there's your 65 bucks and more or whatever you need for your game. I'll oh. get, I'll, that'll be my gift to the podcast. Oh, wow. Well, if that happens, <laughs> so let's hope you and happens. I are going to play some Mario Kart. I love it. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I'm super into that. Um, I'm actually like getting a rig to, well, not a rig. I'm like uh, getting a new laptop, basically, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start streaming myself playing Mario Maker nice. because I'm like Wait, on Twitch or something on on either Twitch or YouTube oh, okay yeah, you can do it YouTube. on YouTube too I forgot yeah which is pretty cool because huh. like you know that's where a bunch of my other shit is anyway um but yeah we should play some Mario if I, I get Mario it. Kart 8 we should play some Mario Kart 8 I love it it'd be so much fun as long as I can swear absolutely okay yeah <laughs> Well, Zach Gandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, <laughs> Jesse Mercury. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. We should tell our yeah our, our, our I'm going to say it. Do I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Our meet cute story. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm already ashamed that that came out of my mouth. I'm not. It's fine. I'm uh, totally fine. <laughs> uh, so I'm recording a podcast for Dan DeRozier and Emily Corin. Yeah, um, Dan's been on the podcast before. Uh, I've been doing some engineering for their podcast, Food Babies, and then they were in a, a pinch for a guest, so they asked me to do it one of the episodes, right. and it happened to be the episode that you were on, and we record here at my apartment most of the time, yep. and uh, you came in and Call got- Call it a studio. Yeah, exactly. Studio my studio apartment. apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you came in and your eyes lit up when you saw my Star Trek yeah. posters. I was and like, holy shit. They couldn't get us to shut up about sci-fi for a couple of minutes, Yeah, and basically- us needing to sit down and chat about sci-fi was born. Absolutely. And, and so I'm so excited to do this. That was only like a week ago. Yeah, it was like a week or two. A week ago, or two for ago. For sure. Yeah. This and is very exciting. Yeah. yeah. I'm stoked about it because there's, there's, I don't really have anyone in my, I mean, not to sound, <laughs> you said meet cute story <laughs> and I'm going to sound like a needy friend. I don't talk to anybody about sci-fi. Really? Except on the podcast. Like it comes up all the time because yeah. to me, especially in Star Trek, there's so many idealistic uh social parallels that i love from star trek for sure and kind of give me hope for humanity that we (laughs) i'm we got the idea for cell phones from star trek maybe we could get the idea of not killing each other from star trek you're preaching to the choir (laughs) like i'm hoping that that also transcends to the growth of humanity yeah and so i don't i mean and i tend to be my therapist said this the other day. I think I told you when we first met that I just started therapy and I'm like through yeah. session six. Yeah. And it's clear, and I've known this before therapy, but that I am a thinker. Like I just get into my head about shit. Like even when the laptop went down today, I was like, when I was with DeRozier, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. It's okay. It'll be fine. Well, then I get home and I'm like, text a couple friends and then I start getting in my head going, fuck, I have a podcast that's got to get out tomorrow oh, no. or Wednesday. 
how's this going to work? And then my wife talks me off the ledge, like, relax, it'll be okay. Like yeah. we have money in savings if you, you needed a new computer anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in my head about shit. So Star Trek gives me good things to be in my head about. Totally. I'm, I'm similar. I'm yeah. similar for sure. Nice. We should talk a little bit about who you are because okay, let's uh, do that. you're such an interesting guy. So tell me your life story in 30 seconds. Okay. My life story in 30 seconds. I uh, was born in Oklahoma, but I moved to Seattle when I was six years old. So Seattle is my home. Seattle is what I know. Yeah. I grew up in a conservative Christian family. Um, in one way, shape or form, I ended up being a pastor uh, at a large mega church in the region and was doing that for almost, God, almost 17 years, maybe. So a couple, two, couple of years before you and I met, I mean, this is 2017. So six yeah. years ago is when I resigned yeah. from that gig. And what got me to resign from that, I call it a gig now, um, was kidney failure. Mm-hmm. So I actually, they found out through the transplant that I was born with a congenital issue where both arteries grew over the top of the ureter tubes huh. that connect the kidneys to the bladder. And then the um, kidneys at that point started filling up with liquid and then just never stopped until the membranes got so thin that the kidneys couldn't function anymore. Yeah. I was a dialysis patient for two years. For whatever reason, with a theology degree and everything, I decided to read through the Bible for the first time, <laughs> like cover to cover and and uh, studying historical context of the writings, like time periods, what was going on. Oh my God, yeah. Because I, that's grammatically and historically how you gain historical meaning. For sure. And I'd known that in college, but I was in a mega church that was about making money, so we didn't study that deeply. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, all of a sudden was like, why haven't I done this? So over that two years, read the Bible through twice, was like, what am I doing? Wow. And it's funny because people are like, well, what made you leave Christianity in the church? And I go reading the Bible. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. And then I had a kidney transplant. (laughs) Um, Actually, a pastor gave me, a pastor friend at the time gave me his kidney. We are still friends, although have vastly different trajectories. Yeah. uh, From, from those experiences. And I had a, I had a guest on my show I can't remember what episode it is, but you could probably do a a Google search, losing our religion queerdo. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine, Dash Lopez was on the show. And one of the things he said was when you grow up in institutional religion, especially Christianity in America, it becomes a pressure cooker. And sooner or later you either get shot out of the pressure cooker with a massive trajectory, or you get stuck under the pressure and you're there for the rest of your life. Interesting. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was such a wonderful, vivid picture of like, yeah, shit, that's what happened to me. Yeah. So. And you just number, got shot out. I just got shot out. Yeah. I mean, I like pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. And people always ask me, well, do you still believe? That's probably the number one question. The two questions I get are, do you still believe? And then how do you get people on your podcast? Because <laughs> the, the, my podcast is called Losing Our Religion. Yeah. And it's by no mean, no means atheist or anti religion it is just pro humanity and pro us getting along yeah it is definitely if you listen to it people are like well if you're you're not a christian anymore what are you and i go i'm a i'm if you labeled me today i'm probably a jesus leaning humanist hmm. with anarchistic tendencies nice so i definitely has have a disdain for organized religion and institutional religion and probably corporate america and institutions as a whole yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I've just kind of learned that about myself that 
you know, if you talk to entrepreneurs, that would that, a lot of them would be like, well, that's an entrepreneur. You just like doing your own thing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sure, use whatever language you want. Yeah, I just know that that's not me anymore. So that was longer than 30 seconds. That's all right. It's very interesting. It's a crazy long story. And the podcast came about because I had so many people go, your story's crazy. You should write a book (laughs) or something. And I was like, I don't see myself writing a book. And then I started, after I left the church, started working in the bar industry. And the conversations we would have after closing while we're all drinking were just so fantastic. Yeah. Existential conversations about humanity and religion or spirituality or life or whatever. <laughs> That's and like me at a bar in Star Trek Two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you exactly. got to start a podcast about the thing that you want to talk about yes. at a bar surrounded by people. Like, what do you want to bring up? Because yes. that's what you want to talk about for the always. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I love it. And it's fantastic. So that's where the podcast came from. Was like people encouraging me, like, "Well, do a podcast or something." Yeah. And I was like, "That's the idea. Let's get drunk and talk about existential things." Nice. Or completely not existential things, like whatever, yeah. you know? So I so fun. since we met, I started listening to it. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend everyone listen to episode zero, which is the very first episode in the feed. Yeah, uh, and the worst recorded. So it's not, it's, it sounds fine. <laughs> it's all right. I've heard, I've heard much worse on a all right. first episode. Right. Uh, yeah, it, that story that you just told of, of you having kidney failure and going through this, like, crisis of faith, I, yeah. I guess you could say. Totally. But not, not really faith in your religion more than faith in the church itself, like yeah. faith, your faith in the organized yeah. religion, religious structure. I, I don't think faith and religion are the same thing. I agree. So yeah, I agree. With I that. think, I think a lot of us have faith in a lot of different things. And yeah. I, I always think that's important to keep, even if you're a nihilist and your faith is in nothing, that's totally. a faith, right? Like I had a crisis so, of faith that had nothing to do with religion. Nice. Uh, that was all about my own like artistic direction and, and creative endeavors awesome. as a person. Nice. Um, yeah, I would. And what you were saying earlier about like going back and reading things in context, mm-hmm. I was actually a religious studies minor and Holy crap. learned a little bit about um, like the history, like Judeo-Christian origins and stuff like that. Well, right. learned a little bit about a lot, you right. know, Scientology, uh, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, yeah. and it was fucking awesome and fascinating. But one of the most interesting classes was about the actual history of how, Christianity and Judaism kind of developed out of the same area and out of the same sort of progenitor religion, I Mm -hmm. guess you could say, like the ancient Israelite religion that some people refer to as Judaism, right? but is as different from modern day Judaism as Christianity is to that original like proto-religion. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's fucking interesting shit. And it really kind of helped me kind of let go of feeling like I was a bad Jew because I wasn't practicing, right. you know? Yeah. Like, well, this, I, it doesn't fit in my life and I don't necessarily need it and I can let go of that and that's right. okay. Yeah. And also letting go of like anger at Christians for telling me I was going to hell my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I, that's why I refused. I'm not a Christian, number one. And I just, because I refuse to plant my flag anymore. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm just not a flag planter anymore. I want to live my life as a learner. And when we ha- when we plant our flags, we instantly defend those flags, or feel a need to defend those flags. Totally. And I just and you can't learn. We don't learn anything new as long totally. as we hold those positions. So totally, it's like I may believe, but I'm not a Christian. I'm probably a deist. I believe in intelligent design. Mm-hmm. I just even if the Big Bang is that intelligent design, sure. Like I'm okay with that. Do I think I'll ever meet God or 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 whatever? I don't. I don't know. Like that's just crazy. I know that my <laughs> my fucking like brain. Can we swear on this? I oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't ask. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just like, absolutely. Fuck. Um, I mean, my my subconscious and my brain is 
lifetime wired for Christianity right. or a belief in God. Because that's the language that those concepts were first presented to you right. in. So yeah. it would be like learning a foreign language Absolutely. to learn a different way of seeing it at all. Absolutely. So I yeah. realized that I, like other questions people ask, some people ask me, are like, well, do you still pray? And I go, yes. But a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts when they think prayer. Mm-hmm. Like prayer for me these days randomly most likely always happens in the shower when I'm by (laughs) myself and I'm nervous or stressed about something. I just find myself talking out loud to whomever and that whomever I call Papa. I mean, cool. That's just what I do. I don't know why it just seemed right. A few years when I started like reading the Bible, like I shared about, uh, that's just made sense to me. And do I believe God's male? No, I don't. I mean, even the Bible says no that God is neither male nor female. The Christian Bible says that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but it just registers for me, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what did you, I mean, what was your family situation when you were growing up? Did you have a dad around that mm-hmm. you called Papa? No. And I think that's why I'm okay. If Here's what's funny about my dad and I. My dad and I are probably just now getting a, a, a good relationship. Oh, wow. And I'm, I just turned 40. So is he still in the church? Uh, they, they're definitely still Christians. I think they're the only reason they're involved in institutional church at all would be because my brother-in-law is a pastor. Okay. And they go to that church. If my, if my sister had not married a pastor, I don't think they would be going to church period because my parents definitely have a distrust for institutional Christianity in America from their life background. Yeah. So you're having left the church is not a barrier to having a close relationship with your parents. No, they definitely had some questions. Yeah. Right. And they definitely were, were a little bit nervous about it, but, uh, it hasn't been a barrier at all. The only time it became a thing was recently last year. I had a biopsy on the kidney because it looked like I had had some issues with it. Had the biopsy. It showed a mild case of rejection. And so they put me on uh, prednisone for three okay. days, and then I had to get IVs. Well, I ended up getting. Um, I'm glad that Miles is joining us. Look, Hi, Miles. Miles is all into you now. Hi, buddy. Hi, friend. Good boy. He's a good boy. Miles O'Brien. I hope Miles that's O'Brien. what I want to. Oh, he's putting his paw on. Oh his my head god! On he me just now. like he just went to bed on your. Oh, I love it. I'm, this is. Fa- I, I'm so happy right now. Can I take a picture? <laughs> Please of take this? a picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, should I pose or just Let's sit? See. Doesn't really matter. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, that's fantastic. That's I look so excited that he's laying on cute. me. Um, what and was now I, I have a podcast art. Yes. Look at that. There Just you like go. that. <laughs> my dad. We were talking about my dad. Yeah. Um, so when I was in junior high, my dad like be, was a coach for my little league baseball team. Mm-hmm. And everybody on the team called him Steve. And I, so I called, started calling him Steve in junior high. Oh, interesting. Stopped calling him dad, started calling him Steve. Wow. And that kind of shifted our relationship forever. I'm not sure why. That's so fascinating. We, we just never saw eye to eye. He's very much a barrier of things, doesn't talk openly about things. My mom uh-huh. is way more open to that. And so his idea, like the, his faith as a whole, my whole life has been a way to avoid reality. Like, wow. Like you just, if you're sick, you believe you're healed and it's kind of 
Christian sciencey a little bit. Yeah. Where you avoid all the hard things in your life because you have faith. And so those things don't really exist. They're kind of almost non-existent. Oh, it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Like as someone who has had cancer. Right. And I would, I mean, if I, ha- if I didn't go to the doctor, I'd be dead. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Me from, too. From Hello. something that, yeah, yeah. God. For sure. For something yeah. that was like really uh, fast and mm-hmm. relatively easy to get rid of yep. as far as cancer goes. Absolutely. Um, and then I was fine after. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that's what doctors are for. That's why right. that's why we have all these debates around healthcare is because healthcare is fucking important, yep, you know? And it's exactly. like a it's an incredible achievement mm-hmm. that healthcare even exists and yep. we should use it. Absolutely. To its fullest extent. And I grew up on next generation yeah. just thinking that like our medicine now was nowhere near what it was going to be. Right. Like we can't take a pill and regrow a kidney like in Star right. Trek four. Oh my God. That's my favorite. One of my yes. favorite scenes <laughs> because, because that little grandma is just in, she's like, I'm going to get a kidney transplant or yeah. di- oh, no, she's going to dialysis. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to dialysis, which I've experienced and it's yeah. horrible. It's yeah. the most wretched. And Ugh. I, and I love how, how uh how bones is just pissed mm-hmm. he's so pissed at how horrible totally, these people do dialysis yeah like he's just it's like stony medicine it. to him it's yeah like how people would react to leeches basically yeah although leeches have made a comeback let's be honest right Which, here but here's the interesting thing about that for me like you and i would not be sitting down having this great conversation yeah right now had i not had kidney failure because yeah. kidney failure is what wrecked everything for me in such a good way it's what what a sense spoiled religion for me yeah um and again i believe religion and faith are separate so it's what it's what it's it's what opened my life up now to be outside of institutional religion to have the relationships i have now right the, the life of growing and wonder and adventure and journey like suffering played such a huge part of that. I mean, I feel you, dude. I yeah. feel that way about Lyme disease. Yeah. Cancer was annoying, right. but it was so short in yeah. comparison to Lyme disease. Right. Lyme disease is, the, and it's so much more painful, you know, yeah. and, and just like constant discomfort, which occasionally goes into pain and uh-huh. then you just can't get rid of it. You yeah. know, like yeah. sometimes like things just hurt. Right. Like you're like, I'll have, like, think about if you, like, strain your muscle and it really hurts and it's really bothering you. Imagine if that could just pop up anywhere in your body at any time for no reason. Yeah. And then there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can take, you know, tramadol, which right. used to work for me, but I don't really take anymore. Right. Or, and now I'm just doing, like, high CBD right. weed products, um, which Have really you talked helps. to the doctors about that? Yeah, yeah. That's, totally, I wonder, what are totally they fine with them. They're, well, I'm, yeah. seeing a, I'm seeing a functional medicine doctor, and she's very ahead of the curve on on where like the future of medicine is going. Okay. And well, as, as far as some people believe, like I, I don't like making any claims like that about anything, but right. uh, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me for like 23 years. And she figured it out in about three months, I think. Wow. Yeah. And That's she huge. just found like new thing. She found a, a genetic predisposition towards um, Lyme disease and mm. towards mold sensitivity, which are things that have been a big problem for me. Yeah. It's a new thing called chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, I, I, and I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this yet, but like if you're low in uh, MSH, which is a, a hormone involved in something. I talked about this a couple episodes ago and I've already forgotten the details, yeah. even though uh, I have hard it. to remember, man. It's yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah. If you're like, you're low on this hormone, then it, points and and you have any of these other issues like Lyme disease, mold sensitivity, or this Marcon's staph infection. And I have all three of those. Wow. So, uh, so now I have these four things that they basically clump together and say are a genetic predisposition because of this low MSH towards Hmm. getting all of these like 
being more susceptible to Lyme disease. Cause you could be bit by a tick and never right. have Lyme disease. Sure. Like even if the tick had it, your body might fight it off and it might never take hold. Right. And mine can't. And, right. and they didn't figure it out. And I've had it for so long that now it's turned into uh, like chronic Lyme disease, which right. is kind of a different uh, class of Lyme disease that some people don't even acknowledge as existing. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you have it, it exists. Right. It's Absolutely. Very, and it, it like very powerfully exists for me, which is so interesting. That's an interesting thing to like look yeah. at. Uh, Cause that made me think back on my childhood being told by Christians that I was going to hell. Right. And I'm like, that's like something that your parents have taught you and it has no bearing on my life. Right. You know, I don't even believe in hell, right. you know? Right. So I don't think I do anymore either. <laughs> so. I, I, I couldn't like justify it because I, I yeah. felt like hell wasn't real, but I also, and I didn't want to be worried about it because it seemed like such a pain in the ass to be stressed about it. Right. Uh, but I, do you ever see the movie, what dreams may come? No. With Robin Williams. No, uh, I don't think I've seen it. It's all about him dying and you going with him through the process of death and the really? afterlife. It's okay. fucking fascinating. I love it. I watched it recently with Andy and it was great. Um, but there's this premise in it that hell is uh, just what you make of it. Like the afterlife in general is just what you make of okay. it. So whatever you believe is going to happen to you after you die will happen to you. Like you'll go to your gotcha. happy place, basically. Gotcha. You create your own happy place, yeah. I guess is, is the easier way of saying that. Right. And what I took from that is like what you believe is what happens. Yep. Uh, and they go into hell being a place where people just, expect to go and uh-huh. can't get out of because they expect to be there. Fascinating. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Like even, uh, here's the existential overthinking part of me, <laughs> which is, which is so often we get trapped and create hells in our own mind as we're yeah, alive. Totally. And we just stay trapped in these, these places that we don't move forward in our life. We don't move forward in relationships. We don't move forward in jobs or careers or providing for ourselves all because of these mental barriers and walls that we create. Absolutely. And it would be fascinating to think of an afterlife. My dad, (laughs) my dad, although he's very Christian, he's really been into the whole goal setting and affirmation Hmm. and train your subconscious thing my whole life. So he's been a business consultant and that's kind of a big anchor of his business is helping people in business like break those mental barriers with goal setting and affirmations and believing in yourself and all of that shit. You yeah. Know? I shouldn't say it's shit. It's very helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. I, it just triggers me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> in, many, in many ways, like my podcast called losing our religion and I call all of our listeners losers is probably <laughs> because of, and, and some people have even written me. It was like, I was really un- uncomfortable with you calling us losers for a while, but now I, now I get it. And I'm okay with it. And I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Like, yeah. Cause I just think it's entertaining and fun and it's nice to have a play. Like I had a thought today of, of like just making a sticker or something that says, I like that you think I'm a, lo- that, or I like wearing this shirt because I'm a loser that says loser because it, you think it means something bad. Hmm. You know, it's just that thought process of like, like just switching it up on somebody. This yeah. gal, I have a button that says loser, like on my thing. Yeah. And this lady at the hospital the other day, cause I went in for a doctor appointment. She goes, Oh honey, that button, I don't want you to think you're a loser. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty proud to be a loser. Like I'm, I yeah. kind of learned that I want to lose racism and I want to yeah. lose anything that keeps me apart from other human beings. And she's like, Oh, that's really positive then. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Know? I mean, when you meet, when yeah. someone meets you, you're a very positive presence. Yeah. So it surprises me that people would react to it that way. Totally. Because, I mean, you're just talking about the losing 
as yeah. in letting go. Like letting you're, go. you're someone who just approaches things by letting go. Yes. And I've become more of that over time yeah. out of necessity yes. because, if, because like when I hold on to things, it's just bad for me. And yeah, that's why I like what dreams may come so much is because mm-hmm. the message of it was, um, like live your life the way that you want to, the way yeah. that makes you happy. Right. And I, I don't really have any particular thoughts about the afterlife, about what I think may or may not be real because I prefer to just approach it like I don't know. Yeah. And but I feel Me like too. but I feel yeah. like there's like an energy in us that that may continue to exist after. Absolutely. And who knows? And that's that's enough for me. But right. but it, it helps me to think about the afterlife as something that I create. Yep. Because if I set that self, if I set that as a goal for myself, uh, then it makes me live a better life, and that feels yes. healthy and yes. like a, a rationally thought through belief structure yep. that is not really based on any particular belief. It's just an idea, right? Uh, and I, I love that kind and of stuff. And it's not just, and I, I, I kind of look at it as like it's not just a better life for you, although it is. Mm-hmm. It's a better life for those around you, and that's kind of the weird thing for me is like it sounds really selfish for me to go. I'm going to let go of all these things, like these beliefs that keep me from people or whatever. There's a number of things that that we continue to let go that if we hold on to turn toxic inside of us. Absolutely. But somebody goes, well, how can you not, you know, just be okay with everybody being gay? You know, Christians might ask me like with people being gay and whatever. And <laughs> I, I was ask, like, how, how can they be okay with themselves yeah, for asking that question? Thank you. <laughs> exactly. And that's my point. That's yeah. essentially what I go back to is I don't like myself when I'm not accepting of anyone. Yeah. So it's like, it causes me more toxicity that I just can't handle internally yeah. And their religion, a lot of people's religious answers would be, you're just not strong enough, right? Or you don't believe enough or something like that. Because it becomes about validating their, yeah, their validating religion the at thing. that point. If there's Which, any like holes that might be poked in the structure, they have to cast you out of yes, them. Yes, of course. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's a bit how our brains work with people. Like there's, yeah. I don't know if it's fear based yeah. brains. I don't remember if it's like the Abdullah Ablangata, which is, makes me laugh because from uh, that movie with uh, Adam Sandler and oh, he plays football, foosball, foosball, football. But you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and his mom's he's from Louisiana. Wasn't it one of them? It was one of the movies, The Water Boy. Yeah, The Water Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, I only saw that once. So I, I remember that line from the yes, commercials. Right? Really obligata. Like yeah. I always remember, forget that thing. Or but there's a function in our brain, and I know this from growing up with my dad and psychological studies and everything. But there's a function in our brain that whatever we believe. Yeah. Essentially, if I was to go, I'm really into V-dub buses, then <laughs> then I subconsciously begin to see V-dub buses everywhere. So in essence, my, right. my belief or my like actually triggers my conscience yeah. to see these things Your perception is different. Right. And if you... If you didn't know that, you might think that all of a sudden, oh my God, more people are driving V-Dub buses. Right. When in fact, there's the same amount and you're yeah. just seeing them. I'm just noticing them now. Yeah, right? totally. I don't notice the Volvo or I don't notice the something else. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing in regards to like that, that, you know, to belief and what we're, I don't know, remember where I was going with this trajectory, but, but it's that same thing of whatever, whatever we focus on is what we begin to see. Right. Right. And then, it, oh, here's where I was going. And then if we feel that that sight is attacked or yeah. that belief is then attacked, we naturally, you just already said it, we naturally defend it. And then we have to def- defunk or whatever, anybody else that comes against that. Yeah. Right. Totally. And that's unavoidable. Yeah. So the solution for me has been to let go of all the things that poke at me like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fantas- I, yes. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't control how other people are going to think exactly. and feel, but I can control how I'm going to react. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, there's a big mental component with Lyme disease where you kind of have to keep yourself on a mental track because mm-hmm. it causes 
like neurological problems that are almost like hiccups in yeah, your yeah. in your cognitive ability. Well, you're my right. <laughs> in my cognitive ability. I, I don't know how Lyme disease affect. It's so different with everyone, but mm-hmm. for me, like I have these mental hiccups where thoughts just go away and yeah. I get confused for a second about where I am yeah. and what's going on, mm-hmm. and then I come back a second later. Uh, and there are times where I feel like my thoughts are just suppressed, you mm-hmm. know, where I just can't think straight and mm-hmm. I have to kind of go off of instinct or muscle memory. Yep. So it's trained me to be a little bit more present <laughs> and aware of what's right. happening because first of all, I can kind of avoid those situations. I don't have control over it, but I can right. help to avoid it by keeping myself calm and relaxed and happy. Yeah. So learning how to be calm and relaxed and happy inside of a medical yep. uh flare up period Ugh. is very difficult, but mm-hmm. like extremely rewarding. Yes. Extremely rewarding. Yep. And I feel like I've gotten really good at it God. and I've gotten a lot more chill as a person. Like yeah. I'm going through this thing that, you know, used to be all day, every day. All I'm thinking about is like, Oh my God, I got to get better today. You know, yep. I like can't do anything today. I got to get better. And now I think about is, all right, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Cause I'm feeling up to it today. I'm right. going to, you know, Record a podcast. I'm going to like, what art stuff is in my head? What songs am I thinking about? Which is more how I normally think. Sure. Uh, and I'm still in the midst of the, the medical stuff, but I've kind of adjusted. I've just decided to let go of it, I guess, yeah. is the thing is like, I can't control it anymore. I'm treating it, which yep. is awesome. It's out of my hands at this point. Now it's just a time and waiting yep. game. Yep. Uh, and it, and that mindset does change how I feel. It yeah. does make me feel better. Absolutely. And it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time. Cause like flare ups come and go yep. and that's out of my control, yep. but the flare ups are shorter and they're less intense and, yep. uh, and they're like few further between, I guess yep. you could say. I it's really cool. I mean, like that's yes, the power that's of the my beauty. own mind, you yeah. know? And that's the beautiful thing about human suffering, <laughs> right? It's like, are we, we're all on this quest and this is, I think this is a quest in Star Trek and every sci-fi thing you see this human quest of relieving ourselves from suffering. But there's this beautiful thing that you're talking about that happens in suffering that only those that have so far, not only, but I feel like mostly people that have suffered health setbacks or health things mm-hmm. under really understand that like other people's idea of suffering is that Uber canceled on me three times. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm getting caught it's up different. on the word suffering because okay. I've never thought of myself as suffering. Sure. I think of Which myself is good. as Thank God. Yeah. yeah I That's think of good. myself as being, uh, extremely inconvenienced. Yes. There you go. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. And I, I think of that in the terms of, you know, when someone has gone through a thing, uh-huh. <laughs> cause yes. like I'm talking to you, I feel like, uh, you and I like yes. immediately wanted to talk to each other as yes. soon as we walked into the yes. same room together. And yes. I think that part of that is because we have gone through a thing. We can sense that about mm-hmm. the other. And I'm curious what your story is. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine you feel the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's like a, a cool shared thing that is a positive thing that can come out of, yes. um, Hardship. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And I think suffering is just a tail end word from my past in Christianity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to I, ask you this question. Yeah. What did you look like when you were a pastor? Oh, fuck. Well, we've got to explain you what you look like now. I haven't seen pictures, no. Okay, well, like, I, you're, you're dressed very punk rock. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, after I left the church, I left the church in August 2011, October 2011. I'd always worn black as a pastor. I at one point had my boss slash senior pastor tell me literally this is going to make some people throw up um he goes if you will stop wearing black i will buy you a hugo boss suit oh my god yeah wow and i was like okay 
So I'll start wearing other colors. But black's always been kind of my thing. I don't know why. It just uh-huh. feels comfortable. I feel comfortable in it. It's um, very neutral. Yeah. It's like I don't have to think, right? Yeah. It's like there's these quotes out there that like people, like Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day. These yeah. different people that wear things. I don't want to think about what like I have to Doug wear. Doug Funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, and so um, that being said, it's like I, I left the church, resigned from the church. Three months later, I was working at the Comet Tavern, which at the time was a punk rock dive bar. For sure. And I was I like, I played there at the time and it was fucking you? awesome. Yeah, it's, it was the fucking best. Yeah. Did you ever I'm, see Dan's band Mugatu play live? No. No, 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 no. no. That's awesome. I need, I miss it. I love the music. I've used it on a couple episodes. Oh, of you have? Yeah, absolutely. No way. Yeah. I guess I have By, been on through your podcast. permission. <laughs> you have. The musically, you have. Dan never asked me. I retract yeah. permission immediately. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, you can. That's okay. No, I'll I, I find a way to remove those. No, that's Thanks. great. I want everyone to hear it. You know, <laughs> you and I talked about this yesterday because yeah. you had your like hundred uh, episode, episode party at Scratch Deli, mm-hmm. and I stopped by, and we were talking about music and podcasts and how it's like it's crazy that people would say don't play my music because yeah. it's free exposure. It it's is. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, Taylor Swift has a big problem with it. Apparently, um, she has a couple of other big problems. From yeah, what I've gathered, <laughs> she does. It just keeps getting worse. I feel yeah. like her her craziness just keeps coming to this. I I no longer am pissed at Kanye West for what he did to her at the MTV Movie Awards, whatever, oh. however long ago that was when he got on yeah. stage, took the award from her, and said this belongs to Beyonce or whatever. I do think she's very talented, though. Yeah, I think oh, that, of course. Like people make fun of pop stars a lot, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I think any of us, our lives could very potentially spin out of control if we were under that much scrutiny. Absolutely. Because the amount of existential pressure that is on you all the time. Oh, my God. Must be like so hard to deal with, which I think you've actually I've experienced like the slightest. I've had a little bit. I feel like you've experienced more of that than me because your podcast has done. uh, You have like a very large audience, which is awesome. Well, yeah, I'm Um, grateful for that. And it's kind of weird. I, I don't feel like I feel it through the podcast. I feel like. When I really felt it was when I was a pastor in the megachurch world. Right. Which is a closed community, right? Well, right? It's not closed, I shouldn't say, but it's a limited community. So you look at, you know, these megachurch pastors that have 100,000 followers and they think they're the shit. I'm like, <laughs> look at fucking Justin Bieber's amount of followers. You are not the shit. You're the shit in a small circle. Totally. That creates this idea of fame for you. That then leads to, you know, celebrity narcissism and all of these other things. So I I definitely got to experience it in that world. So now I'm in this place where it's like, when I started to feel that pressure, I guess, with the podcast and people were like asking my advice and people were like, well, how do I lose my religion? And I totally get what you're saying and what the guests are saying. And I I just freaked out. Like I had a psychological breakdown a little bit and I just told everybody to fuck off. And I'm like, I'm not your guru. You don't need a guru. Your problem is that you keep looking for a guru. Yeah. You need to learn to think so for yourself. What's the healthy so, way to deal with those? Because you probably still get them. Do you from time to time? Do you ignore them? Like, what do you? What's your mechanism for that? Um, my biggest, my biggest issue with it is what it, what I can, what I see the potential of it creating in me. Yeah. Right. And I think I learned that from being in that small circle, that little Christian megachurch circle for the time that I was, is I'm always cautious and nervous about me thinking more highly of myself than I am. For sure. I, and I could imagine why. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you are the center of attention in this community, you grew, you grew up right. being the center of attention. Yep. And then you left that and you were an outsider right. immediately. Yep. Uh, and like, what does that do to you? I mean, right. how does that... I I feel like moving to Seattle for me was a huge wake up call because like as a musician, I, yeah. in San Diego, 
I was well known among like high school and college. Well, mostly high school. Sure. Like high school friends. Uh, my band won the Battle of the Bands right. two years in a row. Right. <laughs> so people knew the name of my band and uh, I just like expected people to know who I was and that I was a musician and, and that I did that type of stuff. Yeah. And coming here and being like one face among, you know, however many hundreds of thousands or whoever yes. walks through like the Starbucks downtown that I was working at. Right. Uh, it's like, man, I'm just like, I'm like nothing, yes. you know? And, and maybe that's okay. That's good. Yeah. Let's talk about Jean-Luc Picard for a minute. Okay. Okay. So he is my, he has been, l- leadership was a big deal in the church world. Like everyone's uh-huh. a leader, be a leader. And then of course I was a leader in that world. Yeah. But um, Jean-Luc Picard is still a fantastic mentor for me, that character. <laughs> totally. Because he is a captain of the flagship starship of the entire fucking, uh, what's it called? I'm spacing out. I've had whiskey. Federation. Federation. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here for you. Don't I, worry. I have the first one tattooed on my arm, but I can't yeah. remember what the Federation is. That's pretty awesome. Um, and so, but what I love about him above all the other Star Trek captains is he, 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 sure, he's sure of himself, and from time to time he makes decisions, and he's like, engage and do this shit and whatever. But for the most part, he's always into consensus. Totally. Right? He, he gets uh, advice from everyone before he makes any decision. Yes. And he uses the advice. He does. Like, two-thirds of the time. Yes. And it's like that extra one-third where he has a better way yep. that makes him the greatest captain, exactly. in my opinion. Me yeah. too. Like, you can always crowdsource something better yep. because like getting out of your head and realizing that other people have things to offer is the best way that you can possibly make something that's going to work for other people. Yes. Especially leading something that large. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the number one thing to being number one, when I left the whole religious world, for me, it became a quest of normality. Like I just want to be normal and I am almost tearing up by saying that. Yeah. Like I'm just tired of people looking for something from me that I can never provide them. And I'm also tired of me thinking that I can provide them anything that is helpful and beneficial. So would people come to you as a pastor and like bring you their life problems and expect you to solve them? Absolutely. And, and that's kind of expected yes. that you it's will just, do that? Yes. You will help me through this problem and you will have yeah. the answers that I need. Like you're everyone's shelter in the storm. Right. Well, then in religion in particular, it just becomes, and probably not just religion, but everywhere, you just... You, you begin to give patent answers. Well, if you would read the Bible and pray more, right? Or right. if you would do this, or if you right. would do this, if right, you would right, do right. this. And what's funny about my father is growing up, uh, this is triggering therapy thoughts in a, good <laughs> way, in a good way, is my dad is like, his most notable phrase is when people come to him advice or just start sharing and they don't want advice, they're just sharing, is his, his phrase is, well, here's what you do. Huh. And he'll give, then give you exactly what you need to do. And then for him, the conversation's over. Because it's like, I told you what you need to do. I really so. dislike that. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I run into that, obviously. Yeah. I like to, ref- I like, to, I think of that as mansplaining. Yes. Is, is someone else, un- I, I think the word mansplaining is unfortunate because women can do it also. Yep. But I'd say, um, obviously, I feel a vast majority of men feel like they have mm-hmm. the right to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why mansplaining is actually kind of a good name for it. Yeah. Because I, I feel like women don't expect to have the right to tell you what to do and walk away, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure some do, but I feel like men oftentimes feel like they have that right. And it boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, I mean, oftentimes it, I, I just like walk away from that because right. I'm like, Oh my God, you think that you have the right to tell me right. what to do? Obviously you're not even worth talking to. Exactly. I'm going to go ask this person for their opinion. Yeah. 
and uh, that's again like Captain Picard. You know, he gathers all the information before exactly before making his commands. Yeah. But his orders are not. It's not that he's telling you what to do. It's that you know he is the mouthpiece of this situation yep. for our crew. And he is the one who is the best person to make that call. So yep. he's the one who's going to do it. Yeah. I am now an anarchist, but I would follow Jean-Luc Picard. Totally. Like I, I wanted absolutely to be in Starfleet would be privileged. so bad as a kid. Yeah, really? Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to be an artist, uh, a musician, or I wanted to be a movie director for a really long time in like elementary school and yeah. beyond. Um, I've just always wanted to make stuff and have that be what supports me. Mm-hmm. But the only other thing I ever wanted to do that I saw on TV was be in Starfleet. Nice. Which is frustrating because it's not real yet. No, (laughs) I can't do that yet. Not at all. Yeah. And I obviously, I mean, I, I despise the Trump administration and all of their policies, but they're putting together this new like space, space fleet. Interesting. Uh, They're talking about like making a branch of the military that will be like the space fleet or something like that. Really? Yeah. And I'm not even sure. If this is like real or fake news, because like who even knows anymore? But I read a whole article about this, about how like some people, I mean, I don't, I may have been reading like a joke article. I don't know. But yeah. I read an article about, and I want it to be real about right. how, how like Trump is trying to set up a, a space fleet. Interesting. That would just become part of the military, huh. which it's time. Like, yeah, I mean, global agreed. warming is happening. I We're going to need to like stretch out and we need to have an organization that is on the front end of that. And it would be amazing to see that happen in our lifetimes. Because, you know, I feel like right now it's not going to be about exploration. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about keeping the human race alive. But eventually it will become about exploration. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be a part of a team like on Star Trek who is just stretching out into the galaxy and seeing what can we know and how can we spread. Like, you know, humanity has been a success. Mm -hmm. Like we've done it. We're a great species. Sure. We've succeeded. We're at least top of the food chain. We've succeeded in becoming an advanced society (laughs) in the Star Trek world. That's very true. Yeah. So everything that you and I think about wanting society to achieve on a daily basis has happened in Star Trek. And I would, I would guess that's true because mine is based off Star Trek and I would assume yours is too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, we're just missing that kind of quest for warp drive, right? That is needed for the Vulcans to come. That's happening too. You know, that is happening also like looking for ways to travel faster than light is definitely an ongoing area of research. That's true. Maybe, yeah. maybe not enough being put into it, but we're really trying to get to Mars. Right. I feel like is our, yeah. where we're at right now. Right. Learning how to colonize another planet. It seems like I was tempted. priority. Number one, I was tempted to sign up for that. Oh, that I, reality show. Yeah. Or was yeah. it a reality show or is it real? There was at one point talk of a reality show where you, you would go to Mars and they'd film you there. Yeah. And I think that maybe, I think they were like trying to, I don't know if they were trying to crowdsource it or not, but I I remember thinking at the time that they should crowdsource that because they could probably raise the money to do it. Yeah. And then we we would probably get to Mars. And if we can get to right. Mars on the back of a reality show, right. all the better to in my mind. Yeah. You know, I think that's awesome. Absolutely. I think that'd be so cool. It was funny because I talked to my wife about it and I was like, what do you think about this? <laughs> and she's like, it means I would never see you again. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And she's like, would you want to do that? Like, we had a serious conversation about it. And I'm like, I think I would. Wow. Because that would just be fan, fan, like, that would be so amazing to me. It's like your whole life. Granted, I'm going to die. It's like signing up for dying. 
Yeah. I don't think you're going to go to Mars, the first colony at least. I mean, even when people started trekking across America, yeah. the whole whole generation died before they reached. Right? Even if you like, make it to Mars, the chances that your habitat yeah, will fail are high. Like you're going to die, but at least it's kind of like this thing where I sign up for that. It's going to mean someone's going to do it, and it means it'll happen at some point. Yeah. But to be a part of the first thing is no longer about fame at that point. It's no longer about money. It's about seeing something for the it's first time. It's just about seeing something for the yeah, first time. That's interesting. And be and and and, and uh, then we got to the point of like, well, yeah, that would suck. I guess if I wasn't married, I'd do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would do it. I, I it really? doesn't it doesn't immediately appeal to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, going to space is a lifelong dream, and yeah. you know, se- stepping foot on another planet is a lifelong dream. Okay, but living my life is priority number one for me. Yeah, that's true. Doing what I want, getting getting through my life in the way that I want to. Yes. And that's something that takes a lifetime. And I'm very committed to it. It does. And I'm enjoying it. I feel like somebody, a friend of mine posted this, who's been on the podcast and uh, he... He goes, he goes, I feel like the way I'm going right now, I'm going to be a big success when I'm in my 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel that way, too. I do, too. Yeah. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like it took me, you're the way you're talking, that took me so long to get to. And I'm Mm -hmm. 40 now. And I agree with you. I'm exactly the way you are, right? Like, I and it and it like hit me so hard in a good way when you said, I just want to keep creating and then be able to live off what I create. Yeah. Like I'm in that place now too. Like I want to do that too. That's my biggest dream. Yeah. Is that I can make a living off of the podcast and maybe doing live shows with the podcast or or a podcast. It doesn't, it may not even be the one I'm doing right now. Right. Like it may be something else. Um, I've often wanted to change the trajectory of losing our religion just because in many ways, personally, I'm very tired of the conversation about religion. Yeah. Like, let's talk about where Jesse's at, right? Like, that's the yeah. life I want. Like, I'm on this pursuit now of I have one life to live. I mean, not to cue in the soap opera song, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it's all, this is all we got, right? And that's what I feel like I learned from Atheist through the podcast and through life is there is no anything after this. Yeah. So it's kind of now or never. That's yeah. I, it's so funny because I feel now or never because I feel like this is the only thing we know we have. Right. And it's true. We may there may be anything after this. Who knows? Yeah. But why prepare for? Like I I feel like if there's any intelligence involved in the next level, like mm-hmm. say that there's a god and say that there's mm-hmm. a choice between sending you to heaven or hell, which mm-hmm. is not something that I believe. Yeah. But that that person would understand that everyone who lives on earth doesn't know what's actually going on yes. because we haven't been there and exactly. seen it. Yep. Like even at, like I worked at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that if you haven't worked at Starbucks, you don't know what it's like, Right. you know, <laughs> I know for a fact that if you haven't experienced a whole other level of mm-hmm. reality and existence mm-hmm. that we can't even see or understand, yep. then we don't understand it. You right. know, there's no way we understand it. Yep. So they will understand that and they will look at how you lived your life Yep. Uh, based off of logic and reason, yes. you know, yeah, like the chances of it being something else are low. Yeah, and I think the chance exists that we're all living in a hologram, or that we're like right. some weird planet that like there's a big alien race that's going to farm us all someday, right. like in that Independence Day sense. resurgence. Yeah. Like that's possible, but yeah. uh, or it's possible that there's nothing and it, none, none of it makes any sense at all, and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me because right. everything seems so random and strange. Uh, so. 
I don't know, just the whole assumption that anything is anything have besides you seen, what we have and what we can see. Yeah, like that's I, what you I'm have to you. deal with. That's What's the, in front of you? That's deal it. with it. Like yeah. live that. Like I yeah. feel like I feel like if if the entire planet that's why I'm I'm I believe in a let's end religion. Be- oh wow. Because because religion is the one, is one of at least in my mind one of the top things holding humanity back from a unified existence. Now, I do realize that an idealism based on Star Trek does lead and mean a one world government. Right. Absolutely. That, that kind of scares me. Um, that excites me a little bit. I'm excited, but it also scares me. And the reason it scares me is because I have a Christian background and one huh. world government means like the Antichrist. And really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. fucking A, man. That's going to be so annoying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's so frustrating. Why? Uh, yeah, that's so counterproductive. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's why I believe it's like end religion. Keep your faith. Do whatever the fuck you want with your faith, but end religion to a point of where we that we all begin to realize and live a life that all we have yeah. is now. Right. So make this existence beautiful and totally. unified and helpful to one another. And that's the anarchy part of me, right? Like, nice. like. Uh, it, I did it, listen to your episode about anarchy with Pete. Yeah, Pete, Pete who's been on the so show helpful. a couple times. Okay, like good. Three yeah. or four times. I love him. Like, yeah, PGK. Um, I forget Great the man. I forget the name of the French prince that he brings up uh-huh. in that episode. But the but the idea behind it is it's not about violence. Anarchy is not about violence. Anarchy is really about humanity. It's a utopia of humanity being able to care for one another, right? In such a way that we actually live. And this is beautiful to me. That if that if let's say that if we all lived on a deserted island and there were six of us, mm-hmm. what government would naturally take over in that instance? Socialism. Yeah. It would be like, hey, you're good at climbing trees. You get the coconuts. You're good at fishing. Like, you do that. And yeah. it would be this teamwork idea of lifestyle together huh. that I think is really beautiful. There's no power struggle. It's like you do what's good. <laughs> so funny because I watch a lot of Survivor and it's it is literally is. people stranded on an island and it's nothing but power struggle. Right. But the reason is because there's money on the line. Yeah, that's why. I so for me, okay. like money is the problem. Uh-huh. And that's I my agree. Star Trek upbringing. I agree also. too. Yeah. Like we, I, Capitalism to me is the problem. What I really want is a is like a post money society. Yeah. And the reason I believe too. in me a world too. government is because the only way a world government can work is that it would have to be flexible enough to accommodate what everyone wants. Yeah. To do you know yes. like it would have to accommodate that's like why the united states uh has been successful up until v- maybe recently right <laughs> is that it's like a collection of people who come together for the really important things yep um and i, I feel like a world government would have to be something along the lines of like it, just policing climate control or something mm, like that mm-hmm. uh like issues that affect the planet should yeah. be regulated on a global scale interesting you know yes. I, i'm really just thinking about climate change I think that climate change is probably the beginning of that for us. Totally. As a, and as a I agree. I agree. I think yeah. that uh, like the Paris Accords mm-hmm. was the closest we've ever come to yeah. having an actual like world decision based yeah. off of our own uh, well-being. Yep. And that's why it's so fucking embarrassing and infuriating that Trump pulled out. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. But but we aren't the world. You right. know, we've been taught to think that USA is the world yeah. all throughout school. There's so much like patriotism and yep. like saluting the flag. And uh, USA is taught to us as being the best country. in the. It was to me, at least yeah, in totally. Southern California, yeah. where I grew up. Public and, school? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that that's like a value that's instilled right. in society. But it's to the ex- 
to the uh, the detriment of all other societies. It's mm-hmm. kind of presented in a way where it says we are the best society. Right. All other societies are not equal to us. So you might want to pity them a little bit right. that they don't get to live here in America because it's uh, amazing here. And that, but there are yeah. other societies that I mean, Sweden. I think as a society seems to be running much smoother than America. People yeah. seem to be happier yep. and more productive and healthier yeah. uh, based off of stuff that I've been reading about Sweden. Absolutely. <laughs> and who knows if anything you ever read is true. Absolutely. But I feel like the average American is unhappy and yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. And that is crazy. Yeah. We're missing everything. Right. Like the whole point about being alive is to pursue your own happiness and yeah. healthiness, you know? I mean, which br- the thought just keeps bringing me back to John Luke, John Luke Picard. Nice. Because it's like you're explaining exactly the problem with the problem with thinking you're the smartest person in the room and the best person in the room is you don't do what Jean-Luc Picard does, which is take a consensus. Yeah. Which is get other input, which is get other viewpoints. And America has been the douchebag on the planet that thinks we're the smartest and best person on the planet. We've been mansplaining to the rest of the globe. We have been mansplaining <laughs> yeah. to the, okay, so this is fascinating. This will, if I, I might cry. I drive, <laughs> I drive ride share. I cry a lot. Fuck it. Um, Go for it. I drive they ride share. can't see your tears. It'll <laughs> okay. just be me and I'm cool. <laughs> um, I drive ride share to pay this wonderful Capitol Hill, Seattle rent, which is the most expensive area of the city that we both gratefully get to live in. Yeah. Cause um, it's also fucking great it is it's yeah. fantastic Once still you've lived here it's hard to leave yeah i mean even though it's become much shittier than it used to be it's still great still great um but that being said i i had a 40 minute drive with a recently uh retired united states marine corps man and he is a war vet and he's uh one of the things we talked about was him being in sudan and uh, I can't reveal his name. I don't even remember his name, which is good because he said one, he told, it was the first military person I've ever had an opportunity to sit and talk with. And he said, I left the military because i got tired of, of essentially enforcing the American way on huh. other countries. Whoa. And he ended up getting out of the Marines because they were in Sudan, and one of the things that happens there is they remove the clitoris of women. Oh, God. Right? And so they got so tired of seeing that happen that basically him and his you know, uh, platoon or whatever the fuck they call it, I'm not a military guy. Clearly, mm-hmm. I'm flat-footed and left-eye dominant and right-handed. I could never succeed in a military career. Um, but... He says him and his squad essentially got so tired of seeing that they went and did something about it, ended up killing because they would get groups of wow. men to go hold down the women and this whole thing of cutting her clitoris off so that she could only, or clitoris, however you want to pronounce it, so that she could only just produce babies without pleasure. Wow. That he literally killed nine guys that were doing Jesus. this to a woman. Man, see, that's like something that... Against orders. They, the, yeah. they, they were told not to interfere, to not to do that, and their whole mission was to keep the peace in the Civil War and to help influence democracy into the Sudan. Like, There's so much about that that's like so deeply disturbing. I know. One of those things being my reaction of, well, is that justified? You right. Know, but, of course. But, how can, but then how can the killing of one person by another be justified? Yeah. And, and especially in a situation where they can't necessarily be prosecuted for mm-hmm. their crimes right. because American... There's like this idea in America that killing people of other nationalities is not a crime, right? Which is insane. Right. Right. Like I, that, 
like really really sickens me. Yeah. I um, mean, it sickens me that in that situation they. Um, it sounds like they got away with it, yep. right? Yeah. They just well, they got away with it, but th- there's only apparently one of them still in the Marines. The rest of them left or yeah. were dishonorably discharged or whatever the case may be. So there was like a military punishment, but not a mm-hmm. societal punishment. Right. That's really fascinating. I don't know how to feel about that at all. Right. Because I feel like the people doing that are are doing something like utterly despicable right to there's there's, their choice upon these women in the most horrific way possible like really really deeply disturbs me and i feel like that has to be stopped yep but but the but the reason we feel that is because we're american so I'm I'm going to take the devil's advocate point. Okay, I see what for you're a minute. Saying. Like I'm because the inner conflict is yeah, sure I agree with you. Like yeah, fucking kill those guys. But at the same time, it's like we're there to impose our beliefs on them. And one of the things he said to me too, he's like he's like it's just wretched. Not everybody needs or wants democracy. They don't all want to function the way we function, mm-hmm. or do they need to? And I thought that's very interesting. I think like, that if you take a society of people who don't have choice right. and you show them what it's like to have choice, they do not go back. They right. do not choose to go back. Right. I think that I'm sure that that can happen, you know, the other way, but I feel yeah. like the the type of society that's willing to mutilate its own members to Yeah. I I I honestly feel like that society can't possibly be happy with itself, right. you right. know? Yeah. Like maybe that's something that it, continues through reasons that I don't understand, but yeah. that are political or whatever, cultural and, or even religious, like could, or religious, could the yeah. woman go I, because of God or Allah, I am meant to procreate and to have children. I don't, I don't want to enjoy this. Could she want that? You know what I mean? There are crazier I, things. On I think the religious you have to be spectrum. taught to want that. Yes. I don't think that you, I don't Great think that you point. can grow up wanting that. And Absolutely. I think, I think that as a human, I think that the yeah. the the secret to moving forward as a society is mm-hmm. not is not teaching people what to want, but giving them an opportunity to decide for themselves what right. they want. Yep. Giving people space and openness to develop into whatever they're going to be, because yep. those people flourish. You yes. know, those people become uh, incredible. Whether mm-hmm. it happens young in life or even later in life, I mean, a lot like you know, you are flourishing yeah. because you left this system of control that you were I'm in. I'm getting to make choices now that I was never really allowed. Yeah. Or you're like the, the example of what I'm trying to no, talk right. about right now. I remember, I said I was playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I think that it's human nature to want to follow your own mm-hmm. good feelings. Right. And I, it sounds to me like leaving the church brought about a lot of positive change in your life and totally. brought about a lot of good feelings and yep. that you've kind of followed that and it's been rewarding and enriching for you. And I think that's human nature. Yeah. And that's why I have faith in humanity. It's also a double-edged sword, right? It's like, it leads to laziness and getting nothing done. And not just that, but imagine you're brought up in a system, your subconscious, your programming runs in that way and all of a sudden that programming is gone. Yeah. And you're, you're left with a void. Yeah, totally. Like, and I think the same thing happens in the military. I think I think the reason, and we talked a little bit about suicide and mental illness with him. It was man, it was a wonderful drive. But um, and there's actually an episode on my podcast that there's a Navy Marines doctor that I have on the podcast, or nurse or whatever on the podcast where he talks about the number one problem with people in the military is coming out of the military and them committing suicide. Yeah. And the guy I was driving literally said the same thing. He wow. said, I've now been diagnosed with mental illness. I have a gun. There's not a day I don't think of just blowing my head off. Wow. So, my grandpa said similar things. Yeah. My grandpa was in the military. So there's some kind of programming too that happens yeah. in the military and plus the PTSD or the things that they see or the things that they've done. Yeah. You know, or the just whatever, this constant pressure. 
it's the pressure cooker thing maybe a little bit again, yeah. right? Like, um, and that's the double-edged sword of coming out of religion and that is now, and a lot of times I hear from people that do listen to the podcast who are coming out of religion for their own life, they're, the number one things I hear are I've left everything now, I left relationship, I left community, mm-hmm. and their number one questions are like, how do I find community again? Wow. And that's such a basic human need but it's also a very simple answer, right? Like how, how did you and I meet? We met and we hit, it was organic. Like yeah. just be out and with people and engage what you love. Engage. That's yeah. right. And then and there's, totally there's the people word. around yeah. the things that as you engage what you love, there's yeah. the people around those things that will rally behind you totally. and will be with you and community will be organic and will happen. Yeah. That's why I don't worry about the laziness problem because yeah. explain I, the na- laziness problem to me. What do you mean by that? Oh, like if uh, if people are free to explore what they want, uh-huh. they will just do nothing. Uh, I see what you're saying, and I don't believe in that because I feel like people like to be interested. Mm-hmm. People like to be entertained. Yeah, and just what we take in as entertainment is so influential on our lives. Yeah, uh, I mean, just watching Star Trek has changed me so much as a person. Yeah, um, and. Because of Star Trek and because I see this thing that I love, it makes me want to make. Yeah. And then I get up and make. That's great. You know? Yeah. And if I if I have nothing to do, I still make stuff. Yeah. And that's why I want that to be my life because yeah. I do it anyway and yeah. I have to and I love it and it's what makes me happy. So I might as well find a way to Fuck. make a living off of that. That is, yeah. But I feel like there's yeah. stuff like that for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that people are out of touch with that and I think that technology is going to allow us to get in touch with it mm-hmm. and I think that that's the tipping point of becoming a Star Trek world yeah. is that people get in touch with what they want to do and have the means to do it I mean you yeah. and I wanted to podcast yeah. we did it it's right. happening yeah. we're doing it it's not that hard and you know you can well, just do it it's not that hard it's but not it, that hard to start but it's it's very it's, it's hard yeah. for a lot of people Right, like I mean, technologically, it's yeah, not no, no, that you're hard. right. Anybody yeah. could do it. We're yeah. not geniuses. We're uh, not special. Emotionally yeah. and uh, s- strategically, it can be very difficult. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, mean, I have. I feel like I have it easy talking about sci-fi. Yeah, because uh, I can get into any conversation. Uh, but I always, you know, sci-fi is such a jumping-off point for me for everything in mm-hmm. my life that we could go anywhere. And sure, as obvious. By the last hour. Has we, it been an hour already? Yeah, totally. Fuck, I could talk to you for days. I know. I'm like really into it. <laughs> and I really want to talk to you about Star Trek. Yeah. Um, what was I just saying? Creating. Creating stuff. I don't remember. Fuck. Well, let me jump off what you were saying and cool. then you'll remember and then take over. Sounds great. So uh, the whole creating thing is really big to me all of a sudden because I've realized through the podcast, holy shit, I'm a creative. I love creating. And doing is what it's all about. Like I, I happen to, I had never heard of Casey Neistat. I don't know if you know Casey Neistat, but he's got this, he's YouTube popular and he was a filmmaker, but he's got, you know, he just, he started a company. He just sold that company to CNN for $25 million, million or billion dollars or something like that. And now CNN's kind of giving him a show because they want to draw in millennials to their channel because oh, they, because wow. the average viewership of CNN is 59 And so, um, but anyways, Casey Neistat. So I've just, I've just learned of this guy and I just happened to start watching his vlogs and he did a daily vlog for, I don't know how long, but I just watched. Sorry, I have to do it one second. I thought you were saying like 59 people for a second and making a joke. And then I realized that you were saying 59 year olds, weren't you? 59 year olds. Yes. Sorry. Only 59 people watch. The average viewership is 59. Yeah. The average age of viewership is 59. But and I said, thought that was like a sick burn, and yeah. then I realized what was happening. <laughs> exactly. I wish it was a sick 
sick burn. Um, but one of the things he said on the vlog I watched this morning, because I'll often watch it while I'm eating breakfast and drinking coffee because it's only like 10 minutes long. And he was doing a question and answer thing and somebody asked the question like, well, how do I start? And he's like, just do. Yeah. Stop thinking and create. Totally. Like it's not about money. It's not about whatever. Do and create. Totally. Do and create. It's its own reward. Yeah. It, it, that to me is like my own mind is a pressure cooker and yes. that's my pressure release valve. Yes. And I went through, I think I mentioned this to you before. Uh, I can't remember if we were recording or not, but I feel like I went through a crisis of faith that was creative. Okay. Yeah. Because I felt like those impulses were not getting me anywhere. Mm. And I had been following it for a long time and making stuff. Interesting. So I tried to turn it off and I... And it was very, very bad for my health. Yeah. I tried to just kind of focus on, well, let me get like a better job and maybe like move up <laughs> in the world a little bit. And right. it was, uh, it was so devastating to my creative output and to okay. my, just my health in general. It was really fascinating. Ugh, I'm so glad you shared that. Cause lately I've been thinking about maybe I should just work at Amazon and make money. Yeah. I have those you know thoughts a lot, Yeah, but it's not. So I know people that work at Amazon and they're very happy. Well, I know a uh, few people, not very many. <laughs> yeah. And for some people that's like great, but yeah, you know, it's not for uh, everybody. Yeah. But, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say is that what I love about the Star Trek future is that technology brings us to a point where people have everything they need so they can just do what they want. Yes. And some people would still choose to code software, you right, know, right. some people would still choose to uh, design cities. Mm-hmm. And those cities would be fucking beautiful and right. majestic. Some people would choose to sit around and play video games all day. Right. Uh, but maybe those people will decide to stream it on Twitch and other people will enjoy it. And that's totally. worthwhile. That you know, is worthwhile. There, there are ways for everyone to find a niche for themselves now mm-hmm. in a way that's never existed because of the internet. Yes. And if we just gave up money and, and crossed that line to allowing everyone to do whatever they wanted to do. Yep. Um, we, you know, we'd need the technology. Basically, we need the replicators. Yep. Uh, and then we need some sort of like cleaning droids sure. army. Right. <laughs> we need like an, you know, a bunch of R two D twos running around wiping the windows and mopping up after you as you eat right. Cheetos and throw the dust on the floor. But I feel like if you give people that freedom, and and like we'd have to have structure. You know. Yeah. You need structure. Yeah. But the structure should be a wide, loose structure that allows people to tell you where they want to be inside of it. Right. And then like you know let them go on that course accordingly yeah and i i kind of grew up that way you know which was really interesting because you know the like star trek kind of informed me on why i liked it but mm-hmm. my parents raised me that way and that's a big deal you yes. know like my parents just opened all the doors they could for me uh and then just let me walk through any of them that i wanted to and then when i walked through a door they made it clear to me that that was my choice and i needed to follow through on it yeah uh but but it was all my choice. And if I wanted to change directions, that was always a conversation that could yep. be had. So it wasn't, I that's couldn't be, make. That's great, actually. It was amazing. I couldn't my make decisions. The same. I couldn't yeah. make decisions on a whim, but yep. I could make so many decisions for myself. Like I, I wanted to play trumpet or I wanted to yep. like get a video camera to learn how to make movies. Mm-hmm. Or I made like stop motion Star Wars animations no with way. my little camera and my action figures. Uh, and my you parents have just to in, post those. If I you don't. Have them. I don't know where they are. <laughs> that would be that would be a project is to see if I could find those. That'd be huge. That would be incredible. I don't even know if I have a camera that can play the tapes back anymore. Okay, so let me. You brought up something that I think is really beautiful, and it involves Star Trek. So remind me the name of the commander who becomes a captain on Deep Space Nine. Cisco. Cisco. Cisco's dad runs a restaurant. <laughs> That's my example all the time. Fuck. Fuck. It's 
give great. me a high five. Yes. Give me a high five and then keep telling me yes. about it. <laughs> well, Cisco's dad runs a restaurant. Yeah. And then Cisco is constantly like trying to really create food and cook food despite the fucking technology that is a replicator. Absolutely. Right. And so it's a value in his family. It's a value in his family and his dad having a restaurant, no matter how big or how small it is, I think it's in New Orleans or something like that, right? Yeah. And and obviously he's his restaurant makes money because he lives still on Earth and has this restaurant. So there's still a need for people actually cooking. So what I think is that his restaurant doesn't make money because money doesn't exist. That's true. You're he right. He does it for joy. Yeah. And he literally owns That's a restaurant a for joy. And people come over and he cooks for them out of the joy of it. Yeah. And that's why that place exists. And it's a part of the community yes. and everyone loves that's going right. there. And it's something that I could imagine myself wanting to do, like open yeah. a coffee shop yeah. that I would just run and I would ha- find other people to help me do it who yeah. are like-minded and mm-hmm. we would organize it and I would maybe be the leader of it if, if so needed. Totally. But it would be a thing that people in the neighborhood would love and we'd make the best latte yes. ever tasted. You know, right. that's what I, that's what I love. Or about we'd that make restaurant. a shitty latte, but no one has better conversation with you while you drink it than us. Absolutely. Like it really yeah. doesn't matter. There's yeah. something that is your niche, even totally. if you suck at making coffee. Yeah. You and know, that's so, it's so important to me to see Cisco's the restaurant yes. because that's the representation of something other than Starfleet. It's right. the only one we really get. That's true. Of, uh, of another sort of calling that yep. people of this field, future might have yeah. I'm sure there might be other examples but I can't think of them like science obviously is a big one mm-hmm. there's all these scientists that aren't in Starfleet but um, yeah I mean like just pushing the boundaries of not just the technological abilities of humanity but right. the emotional and connectivity yep. uh, of humanity like yep. it's just such a cool idea yeah there's soul in art right yeah and so I had, I don't remember who I was talking with re- with recently but they were even talking about the difference between vinyl and digital music And one of the things he said was when you play a vinyl, you can still feel the soul of the artist. And there's something there that you can still feel that you cannot with digital music. That's so funny. And he goes, you don't feel the soul through digital music like you do on a vinyl. So I, I know what he's, I'm, I'm an audio engineer and I know what he's talking about, but I disagree with it. Okay. And here's why, because I think what he's saying is that. When you listen to vinyl, right. in general, the the sounds, if you have like a really good system, yeah. the sounds are actually physically closer to what they would be in reality. Okay. Because digital is kind of using numbers and points on a graph, if you will, right. like a, in a waveform mm-hmm. to replicate what things sound like. Right. And between every point on that graph is a straight line where no straight lines would exist in a sound wave on mm-hmm. In real life. Correct. So there is digital music where you can have like a higher bit depth and a higher sample rate and it gets closer. Okay. Um, but the other side to that is that digital gives you this whole world of production tools that you can use just right. to produce music digitally. Right. Uh, and that music can then be put on vinyl or on a, on a CD. And I think okay. still transfer, not necessarily more because it, it's going to sound fake, but it's right. going to sound fake in like a cool way right. that sucks you in. And mm-hmm. I think you can use the medium of digital to suck people in, in a way that you can't with analog. So gotcha. I, in a way I agree with him because it's like a more real experience, but yeah. I've become all about synthetic experience. Interesting. Cause I'm fascinated with science fiction. I'm like making these sci-fi songs with analog synthesizers that I'm playing for real. So hmm. I'm like making like digital noises. Right. 
in an analog way, okay. which I find fascinating That's to listen amazing. to. That's amazing. Yeah. And interesting. It's like, it sounds like the future to me, yeah. which is why I love it so much. Like I'm working on a song right now called Communication. Okay. It's actually about uh, the future of communication where everything's going to be in our bodies and you like open yourself up and adjust your wires to like to hook onto Facebook or whatever like data. Yeah, totally. Like we'll have these implants. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, there's a line in the song about sticking his hand into a beam of light and that transfers okay. him into this VR reality where he gets to hang out with his girlfriend who, uh, they have like a long distance relationship inspired because my girlfriend is in New York for a month right now. Okay. So I was like, what would I use communication for if I could do anything? And it would be to hang out with Andy right now. Yeah, so I just put that into the awesome. song. Yeah. Um, so I like, I feel like we're, there's the potential for us to move into this world of synthetic experience, yeah. but we're still people and we will still be human inside of that. And I'm excited to see what we do. Like that doesn't necessarily scare me. It kind of excites me. That's why yeah. social media excites me. Right. Cause it's, we, we have like a tidal wave now of human opinion so now we need a sense of social consciousness. Like now is the yeah. time to do it. That's another defining factor. I think of the star Trek mm -hmm. reality is like, there's a sense of uh, because society has given everyone what they need. Mm -hmm. People like it and yeah. they want to help it. And that's all it takes. Right. <laughs> so but, help me, help me out. Cause this is where I've never, I've never conceptually understood the idea of a, a cashless society like yeah. in Star Trek, right? Okay. Like, like a not a non need for money. Yeah. And that's probably like when I look at American or, you know, Bernie Sanders, democratic socialism that excites me is like, people are given choice while people are taken care of. And I think my Jesus-iness comes out and like, yes, let's take care of everybody. Tax me 50%. Take care of everybody, please. Like, <laughs> um, but I never, I haven't quite, I feel like you have a grasp on that idea in Star Trek that I don't get yet. Yeah. Right? Like as we were explaining Cisco's dad cooking, I was like, yeah. well, he still does what he does and yeah. somebody still ask finds me, it important. Ask me questions. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, um, like, let's go with the Cisco thing. Like okay. my, my, I instantly went like, well, he's it's still, what he does is valuable and people still eat it. Yeah. And I referenced like, he still has it as his job. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, Starfleet is a job, you know? Yes. But it's a, it's a passion and it's a calling. And I kind people, of always looked at it as like the military. Yeah. It told, it's supposed to be like the Navy. You're taken care of. Okay. But, but it's at this next level where your family's there with you because it's safe enough. Yeah. Relatively. Right. That, I mean, you're never going to take your family on a Navy vessel right. to go into a war zone, but the enterprise goes into war zones and right. that's, there's an element of uh of human understanding involved in that to say that it's not fair to have to be without your family right. as a human being, right? Like your family is just a basic function of, of being alive, whether it's your, your birth family or your chosen family as right. you get older, like you should be able to stay with your family. Right. Uh, and that like, sure people split up families, but it's a choice sure. in this world. Right. Um, so I don't know. There's like this basic level of, uh, people, pursuing things because of passion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like that, that doesn't require money right. because I'm the type of person who does that. I understand it. Right. I understand that impulse to right. just create right. without any, anything. Yeah. I mean, I just make it and I put it out and that's, that's the whole cycle, you right. know, exactly. Cool things happen after that, but, mm -hmm. but they are separate. They are their own thing. And I used right. to think of it as one thing. And yep. then when my music wasn't successful in the way that I wanted it to be, it felt like a failure. Yeah. And that seemed so stupid. 
Right. Like my favorite thing in my life can't be a failure. Yeah. It's the thing that I love the most that I've made. Well, exactly. How can that possibly be a failure? Right. I made it. I love it. Yeah. I will love it till the day I die. I, I listen to it sometimes. All of my music. Yeah. I, I love some of it's like ex-girlfriends that like we don't necessarily get get along the way we used to, mm-hmm. but I still love it. You sure. know, <laughs> I'll Absolutely. always love it. Yeah. But I might not want to hear it yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, so I don't know. Like I the I I'm also kind of assuming that that's part of everyone because I experience it. You yeah. know, I'm assuming that everyone, if they followed their passion, would do something worth worthwhile to them. Sure. And that that is one of the most noble pursuits you can possibly do because making things for other people while, you know, can be great often leads to compromise yeah, and it leads to making things that are vanilla and things that don't push forward Mm -hmm. anyone and making things for like, I, I had this switch where I was like, man, I've been making this music and I love it, but it's very Dave Matthews inspired and I play acoustic guitar and everything. And like, I, I was really sick at the time. I didn't know I had Lyme disease. This was like eight or nine years ago right. or eight years ago, I think. And I was having a Lyme disease flare up that I didn't know was Lyme disease. Wow. And I was so sick. I just needed to have something that felt good. Yeah. And for me, it was always music. Yeah. And that's actually the moment in which I decided to switch to sci-fi synth pop. I was like, well, interesting. I, I started writing a song and it became Time Child, my first music video. Yeah. And it was very sci-fi sounding. And I was like, oh my God, I could write lyrics about like a war in the future and it would be incredible. I'm like, this is the best idea I've ever had. I'm going to do this exclusively for the rest of my life because it makes me so happy to think about it. Yeah. Um, And who knows if I will do it exclusively, but I have never wavered from that or wanted to. And I've been a songwriter my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I just found this one thing that just resonated with me and it felt perfect. Right. Like, I'm going to fucking do it. And it took, it took intense hardship to get to the point where I recognized what it was. Right. But, uh, like I made a stage name and there was all of this becoming of the thing that I wanted to be wrapped up in that based off of being so sick that I couldn't stand it. Like Jesse Plack is this sick person. Jesse Mercury is this like space traveler who plays synth pop and he's awesome. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I, so I started doing this podcast uh, and over time saying that, hello, I'm Jesse Mercury feels normal to me now. Right. And it felt very weird for a long time. It's fantastic. Yeah. But it's, like I am Jesse Plack and I will always be Jesse Plack. Sure. But now when I say my own real name out loud, I feel like exposed Yeah. in this really strange way huh. um, because I like having just my closest family and friends refer to me that way. Right. I want everyone else to think I'm Jesse Mercury. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. if they want to get to know me and spend the time like to see what's under the hood, right. I am, I am not that person. Like yeah. I am not what I present to the world. Yeah. Uh, but it's 90% me. I just hide like 10%. Sure. It's just mine. I get it. Do you have that? I want that. Like, mm. so I feel like I'm just kind of this person that bears my soul to all uh-huh. and I get shit on or I get thank yous. Like, but what's funny is ever since I started the podcast, I've kept having this thought of like, I wish I had a nickname or I wish I had <laughs> an alter ego. Well, no I one can pronounce your name right. You're that's part there. of it. So yeah. it's like the marketing dilemma of my fucking last name. Yeah. But then at the same time, it just would make sense that I was, I mean, I'll just use Mercury for now. Yeah. Like that I was Zach Mercury. Like that feels so right when mm. putting yourself out there because, yeah. and I will say this, there's this alter ego with that, that like you say, is you. Yeah. Um, but it also gives you this ability to say things that would be unsafe 
for you to for Jesse Plack to say. Yeah. For you know me, what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. But our Jesse yeah. Plack. For me, it's a it's a it's a framework in which I can throw a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can be as flamboyant or as weird yep. or as out there as I want to be. And it right. gives me the confidence to do that. Yes. Because who cares? It's not who fucking cares. Like who fucking cares? Exactly. It's, I'm making a thing and I want to create it and me being a part of that is yep. important to you know to make the whole thing work. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing the podcast and I'm making music videos, I right. have to I have to look like I belong in a music video. Right. And to get yourself into a mental space of like letting go of feeling foolish and just being yeah. foolish yep. and then hoping it looks okay. Yep. You know, like that's what I do when I dance in my music right. videos and I, it's fun. It's like, great. It's a, but I had to name that character to it's access human it. freedom. It took yeah. me forever to figure out what it was. I think playing Mugatu was a big part of like finding nice. my own stage presence mm-hmm. and then labeling it with a new name helps me remember what it is so I can yep. access it. Which is, I think absolutely beautiful. I think that is fuck. Like it's, I mean, as a person that's con- weekly putting out content that is me bearing my soul and yeah. me being very uh, transparent, me being open and honest, to have that might even take me to another level of being able to do that. You yeah, know, because it's totally. still a lot of people admire and say, but from listening to the show, is like, I really admire how you don't give a fuck. Yeah. And like, you're just going to do whatever and you're going to say whatever because that's where you're at and what it is you're not trying I'm not trying because and people with a religious background are very used to the fake hmm. they're very used to somebody just being some way because right. they have to be Absolutely. some way because you have to have a personality so it might as well be this right way. and so it's like fuck all of that yeah. like I want to live my life as a human with humans transparent with humans yeah um, and regardless of the name of the podcast whether it's you know I mean I think anyone that listens to losing our religion long enough realizes it's not just about religion it's about humanity and yeah. humanity coming together as humans it's fucking the Star Trek dream yeah totally. that I get to have for myself on a little bit of a weekly basis you Absolutely. know and that's exactly how I feel about this show yeah because it's therapeutic man yeah. like we get to live the dream for a bit yeah totally. and it's natural totally. and you can tell how We've never had a pause in our conversation. We're never, right. nobody, neither one of us, I don't think, have said um or ah. I probably won't even need much. to edit this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. Which is just like this slew of, of vibe. Like, I don't yeah. know how else to, to uh, word it. And I think that that's that. built on a mutual history of Star Trek. I love We that. have to talk about some Star Let's Trek. Let's do that. Um, I need to. Can we take five? Yes. Do you have, how much time do you have? Uh, I planned until nine, so okay. I've got an hour and a half or more. Awesome. So yeah, here's what I, I think we should do. Planned. I think we should take five. I think we should wrap this episode okay. and have a whole other episode and talk about Star Trek. Let's do that. Um, so if there's anything, well, plug your podcast for us. Where can people find you? Uh, losingourreligion.org because the .com was too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so Or you can go to losingourreligionpodcast.com. Just go to that. All the links to iTunes, Google Play, all the distributors. We just got on this, uh, I think it's called Spoke, which is a serious XM version of podcasting. It's kind of interesting. I don't cool. know a lot about it. I actually oh, nice. talked to a lawyer because I was concerned about the terms and conditions because they're essentially making money on my podcast via their own commercialing. Okay, and then do you get a cut of that? No, I get nothing, which is what I was nervous about that with it. seems concerning. It is, <laughs> but then when I look at it as... Uh, Hulu, right? Or Netflix. It's right. kind of the same thing. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to try it. I can always back yeah. out. Like, well, and I always. And the thing about whatever. it is that, like, we don't make money from podcasts we anyway. Don't. We yeah. make money from having an audience. Yes. And, like, you do Patreon. Yep. And your Patreon is doing amazing, which well, is so cool. Yes. Like, 
I I bring in three hundred and forty five dollars a month right now with Patreon. Yeah. Um, my costs of the show are about half that, not yeah. including my time. Yeah. So totally. I mean, if we hourly waged our time, even at minimum wage in Seattle, which let's call it fifteen dollars an hour, yeah. we're both losing money. Oh right? yeah, like, I make twenty eight dollars a month on Patreon. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like very hard fought, and I'm very proud of it. Yes, good. The, the yeah. fact that like I made something that people care enough about. Yes. To to invest in at all, even yeah. like a dollar a month. Yes. A dollar makes such a mental yeah. help and like a pat on the back and a hug. Totally. It's yeah. like the pat on the back element it where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, you just like, you enjoy this and you, yeah. you want to give me a thumbs up. Yes. Um, like, because my dream is to live off of it, mm-hmm. like a dollar a month is kind of the biggest thumbs up you right. can give. And Absolutely. a dollar a month is so small. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I had someone uh, sign up for 15 bucks a month recently. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago about how I, like had this moment of discomfort where I didn't know what to sign on right. the CDs that she had yeah. gotten at $15 a month. Cause like I'd never gotten there before. Right. And there's the, there was also this sort of moment of fear totally of like, I made a thing that someone is willing to invest in and now, Oh my God, it has to be good. It makes you want to up your game. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's something that I didn't understand before. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I can imagine becoming such a massive balloon of pressure that it could make someone crack. And yeah. I think that's what we see in celebrities sometimes. Yes. I so agree. I, that's something that scares the shit out of me. Right. But I'm, but I feel like the thing I have to remember is that like they, like Nita believes in the show and likes the show and that's yeah. why she invested already, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So to try to do something different is actually yeah. uh, kind of a disservice to anyone who likes what I've been doing. Exactly. So the only solution is to be myself. And just yes. like just figure out what it is that I am and yes. do it. It's the only solution. And it's w- the only thing that's sustainable. Yes. On like an internet level. It is the level. only thing that is sustainable yeah. at all. And we live in a day and age that I I believe this and I have heard and like Casey Neistat, I bring up his name again because I just happen to be watching his vlogs a lot lately, who's made it happen on the internet. Mm. Uh, just is about like keep putting yourself out there, continue to put in your content. That's the only sure way to have your audience. Yeah. Your audience will find you as, but you got to keep putting yourself out there. Yeah. You can't just stop and go, Oh, like you said, like that feeling of like, well, I haven't made it here and I'm not making money here. So I might as well just, maybe I should just go get a job. No, kind of fuck that. Yeah. Like, and just keep putting yourself out there because you just keep doing that and finding ways to get your stuff to the audience that is your audience. Totally. And every time you put something out, make it a little better. Yeah. That, that's my yeah. f- motto is mm-hmm. like, I'm always getting better. Totally. Every episode needs to get better, Yeah. but not for anyone else, but just because like I'm making this yeah. and I've done it so many times. Yeah. What can I think about this time? Yeah. Cause I feel like, uh, like when you, when you have like the resources and you're creating something that is sustainable to you because it's what you love. Yeah. You can really spread your mind out into it and say, what is it that I'm doing here and how mm-hmm. can I make this better mm-hmm. in ways that become much more profound than starting something new. Right. And actually tying back to a point I forgot to make, that's why I believe in the non-monetary Star yeah. Trek is yeah. because I think that if you teach people to search for that in themselves, they'll find it. Yes. I, everyone. I agree. I think everyone has the potential to find that. Yep. And I think that the only thing standing in their way most often is that's beautiful society, you know, and like what we're supposed to be. We are primed in America of all places and, and the public school system, all school systems are, are there. I believe this. And I'm not just saying this as an anarchist. So fuck the anarchist thing. But I went to two graduations of my adopted brothers this year. And what I saw was this is just a fucking award ceremony for who conforms to society the best. (laughs) That's exactly what this is. And I never thought of high school graduation that way. And I was like, this is a giant fucking, 
ceremony for awarding those that conform to society the best. And they're training you to be in a corporation. They're training you to do that. Yeah. They're not training you to be creative and to run with your passions. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I think being trained to be in a corporation is valuable. And sure. I think that in that I think way, it is to a point that's, it's actually not necessarily even a bad thing, but yeah. I think the only, the only thing that I would change is that people should have the option to do a different way, yes. you know? And I, I understand that like, you can't throw a thousand different ceremonies for all the different ways that people want to be. But what you can do is ask people what they want and then try to provide, you know, provide what they want if you can and provide a framework for them to have it for themselves if you can't. And you know what can work. Yes. And the only way that the only time that comes in in a high school graduation is when they have the student fucking speak. (laughs) Like the students are going, go live your dreams, you guys. Like, go do. Yeah, and there, there's so much pressure on them to say something so specific yeah. that you don't necessarily get anything real, but you might, and you might. that's the moment where it could happen. Yeah, that's a good that's point. Exciting. I never thought about that. I was talking to uh, my girlfriend. Andy's a singer, and she yeah. uh, she sang the national anthem at a major league baseball game. Mm-hmm. And she was, she actually talked about this on one of the premium podcasts about how she had this moment where she thought to herself, man, I could sing anything I want. You yeah. know, I don't have to sing the national anthem. Right. I have the microphone. You I'm do. on stage. I could do, I could like, she had that power in that moment yeah. to sing, I don't know, like Diana Ross or something right. and, and make headlines. But, but if she did, she'd never get hired for something like that again. And she's yeah. a professional. So she didn't, yep. but you know, like sometimes it's in your best interest to conform yeah. because sometimes it is. Yeah. Conforming doesn't necessarily mean not being yourself. It yeah. means like getting along with others sometimes yes, and you does. can conform in a way that I'm trying to conform to the way the world works by yep. creating a multimedia science fiction project that yeah. supports me. Because yep. if I can make something that other people want, mm-hmm. it will eventually pay the bills. Yeah. And I'm, I love sci-fi so much. I just want to make all of it. Yeah. And I've always wanted to make all of it. Right. So I'm just going to make all of it and then cross my fingers that one of them takes off. Right. Because I feel like a rising tide will lift all boats. Yep. Like I make synth pop. I'm working on a web series. Yep. I'm even going to try to play some Mario Maker on, on YouTube it. and talk about my, love like it. mention my podcast. You yeah. know? We'll see. Uh, but I feel like the more I do, the more I create, the more I follow what feels good to me. Like Mario feels yep. good to me. Yep. How can I make that into something yep. that benefits how I want to live my life? Yep. And, and, the, and the key is do it. Don't think about just it. Just do it. Yeah. Just fucking do it. If you have an idea, it. do it. Try yep. them all. I'm yep. trying them all. Yeah. It's great. I just found a way to make it work. It's awesome. Scale back all of my ideas and do the tip of the iceberg yep. with what I have and can do. And then if I ever get resources, then build the fucking iceberg, yep. you know? And it'll happen. I, 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 without a doubt, believe it'll happen. I just think, I think it will for me. I think it will for every creator, as long as they just continue to do. Yeah. And what you said was very valid. Like, there's a thing that people like, and that's important. But be yourself in that thing. And find the people who like it. And keep doing it. And yeah. find the people who like it. And <laughs> it's they way will easier find you. to find the people who like it. Absolutely. And to, and to keep them around yeah. than, to, than to try to find... And then try to change your friends' minds. Yep. That's another huge change in uh, my strategy. When I switched to sci-fi only, yeah. I just went after sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like I only really share it with sci-fi fans right. because that's who it's for. Like everything I'm making is for sci-fi fans. Yep. Even like my my dream is to make a movie trilogy. Nice. That's my like pie in the sky nice. if I ever get there. And I had Solid. I had this idea for movie trilogy when I was like 15. Yeah. And it's just something that the only way it would work is if I was like you know, a very wealthy creator and had the finances to make something huge. Right. I'm talking like an epic Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. And I had this kernel of this idea and it's just been kind of kicking around in my head for years. 
and I have this like vague idea of what a trilogy would be. Yep. And if I ever had the resources, I would totally make it. I've yeah. actually like written parts of comic books and I'm yeah. like writing this web series. I'm kind of working backwards from, uh-huh. from, from that as an idea. Like what could I make that could get me there? Yep. And I came up with these incredible uh, like comic book stories that I love, but I couldn't find an artist. And then it just occurred to me on the last episode I recorded, I should start saying this. Like right. if you draw and you want to make a sci-fi comic, fucking get at me. Right. Sci-fi at jessemercury.com and yep. let's do it. Uh, but yeah, I want to like make a creative thing that builds to another, that builds yep. to another yep. and see where I can go and yep. see how far I can get. But I want it all to be science fiction. Absolutely. And I, I've given myself room to make other things and call it something else. Yep. Like I wrote an album of like sort of dance pop that's not sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, like six songs, like a, an EP. Yeah. And I really want to record it and I'll release it as Jesse Mercury because yeah. I'm not even I'm not even Jesse Plack anymore as right. far as I think about myself in the world. Right. Um, that's just myself at home. I love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I put myself in this really good positive place and it all happened um, through being frustrated with being sick. So I would mm. never change it. You know, yep. even though I had to go through it again, uh, and I, this current iteration of being sick yeah. has been so frustrating, but then kind of turned the corner yep. to where there was actually treatment options now yes. after like 23 years of being told I was crazy. Yeah. So to, I, I was getting to the point of kind of having like a mental breakdown yep. and then turn the corner yep. and it just showed me, it's like, man, just hold on, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. like you never know there's, uh, there are infinite possibilities in the world. Yep. And if we're living in a in like an infinite reality matrix, there are even more possibilities than that. Yes. So literally anything uh, can happen and just like, keep your eyes open for it. Not only can it will, it will happen. It yeah. Just keep going. It's just timing. Yeah. Timing is the problem. Fuck. And for me, that's what I worry about is like, yeah. if I keep doing the podcast thing and it never gets beyond like 50 bucks a month, sure. um, like maybe what I, maybe w- people love the podcast after I'm dead and right. then it becomes popular Absolutely. or maybe it never becomes popular, Absolutely. but the, the means are the end. So yeah. that no longer matters. Yep. Like making it is, is the means to the end, yes. you know, making Just having it, it is the end. You have to love making it. Yeah. Totally. I, of, I often think I don't have children. If I ever have children, there will be this long journal on the internet that they can listen to, to get to know me. Cool. And yeah. my grandchildren and whatever. Yeah. So if it, if it's if that's all it's for, great. Yeah, I, my humanity and living in capitalism is frustrated with that, but I deal with it. <laughs> that keeps me going. Yeah, I have a couple of fans that I hear from a lot, mm-hmm. and I know that what I say has an impact. Yeah. Um. On, on maybe what they're thinking about for sure. that given day. Yep. So then my only responsibility to them is to put something positive into their heads. That's great. Uh, and I feel like if that is our relationship, like I give you a positive thing to think about once a week, that makes me feel so fucking worthwhile. Yeah. And in general, those interactions are positive. Mm -hmm. So that is like it. That's all I need. It's air. That's a hundred percent because it makes me feel like I'm contributing in a positive way. And what else can I be asked to do? Like that's, that relieves me of all the existential dread Mm -hmm. of not being able to make the world a better place is just like a couple of people a week telling me that they liked what I did. Exactly. And it it made them think about something and it like maybe expanded their thoughts a little bit because the reason I love podcasts is that I hear someone say something. It makes my thoughts jump to something beyond that. Mm -hmm. And you can just hear anything now. Yep. And I, I just want to hear about science fiction. So yep. I like, I like having these conversations Totally, because what you say in this context is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, I love yeah. it, man. Fuck Fucking yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna like, I'm do it for sure. The days that 
I feel like quitting, I'll contact you. The days that you feel Fuck like yeah. quitting, you contact me. We'll shake on that. I love it. Okay. <laughs> we said we we're going to take five like half an hour ago. I really have to pee. And I, I got to pee too. Let's I want to talk to you about Star Trek Let's so bad. So we're going to do that. But for everyone listening, that will be next week on yes. the show. So Zach Gandra, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been amazing so far. I'm, And we're just in the, we're in the eye of the storm. I feel like we're in love. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> Not sexually, but yeah. whatever. We had that meet cute and then things got <laughs> serious <know>. really quick. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's take five. All right. This show is part of my sci-fi project, a multimedia collection of science fiction work that I'm currently working on. (laughs) You can find all of it at jessemercury.com. If you'd like to support this show and the rest of the sci-fi project, you can do so at patreon.com slash sci-fi project or on PayPal. Links are in the description. I just released a new episode of my premium podcast available to Patreon supporters at $2 a month or more and individually for $1 per episode on my Bandcamp page, jessemercury.bandcamp.com. This episode is really weird. It's, uh, it's a conversation I had about six years ago with Carolyn Wilcox, who was my guest a couple episodes back. It was recorded for a podcast and then never released, so it's never seen the light of day before. Going back and listening to myself six years ago was a very weird and slightly traumatic experience for me. So if you're interested in hearing how that played out, you can find that uh, on the Premium Podcast. Zach will be back next week for another amazing, nerdy, Star Trek-inspired conversation. And until then, stay nerdy out there.